Welcome to February's podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Naeem Noor and I'm counsel in the Pensions Team and I have with me Julia Ward, the team's Senior Knowledge Development Lawyer. Today the topics we will look at include a recent decision discussing whether pension schemes can terminate a spouse's pension if they remarry after the death of the member. However, the main focus of today's podcast is proposed developments by the government in the sphere of occupational defined contribution schemes. Thanks, Ryan. The first topic we are considering, which forms part of proposed amendments to occupational defined contribution schemes, is the government's response to its consultation on investments in illiquid assets and scheme charge cap reforms. Back in October 2022, the government consulted on broadening the investment opportunities of occupational defined contribution schemes. Proposed draft regulations were consulted upon, which are now known as the Occupational Pension Schemes, Administration, Investment, Charges and Governance, and Pension Dashboards Amendment Regulations 2023. The government has now published its response to this consultation. The response confirms that trustees will need to disclose their asset allocation in their chair's statement in respect of the assets in the default funds. If a scheme has more than one default arrangement, trustees should look to disclose the asset allocation for each default arrangement where members are still invested in that fund at the end of the scheme year. Subject to parliamentary approval, this will need to be included in the chair's statement for the first scheme year which ends after the 1st of October 2023. In addition, trustees will also need to state their policy in relation to a liquid assets in the default SIP. Subject to parliamentary approval, this will need to be included in the SIP the first time it is revised after the 1st of October 2023 and at the latest by the 1st of October 2024. The draft regulations also introduce an exemption for performance-based fees from the charge calculations. The regulations set out a proposed definition of specific performance-based fees which includes a set of criteria that must be met before a performance-based fee can be excluded from the charge calculations. This includes that a performance fee must relate to a fee paid when returns from investments exceed a specific rate, benchmark or a specific amount. The terms must also be agreed between the trustees and the fund manager prior to investing. The consultation response makes clear that the new charge cap exemption places no obligation on schemes to enter into investments with performance fees if this is not in line with their investment strategies or it is not in members' best interests. The government is looking to bring this change into force in April 2023, subject to parliamentary approval. Thanks, Julia. The second area the government is looking at in respect of occupational defined contribution pension schemes is consolidation solutions for deferred small pension pots. The DWP has launched a consultation in order to support the development of policy options for large-scale automated consolidation solutions for deferred small pots in the automatic enrolment workplace. The main impetus behind this consultation is explained by the pensions minister. She explains that the number of small pots means there is undue cost and inefficiency in the pension system. It also creates a risk that deferred members lose track of their workplace pension savings. It is also administratively inefficient. The DWP notes a way to solve this problem is to have an automated consolidation system. The consultation therefore seeks views on two large-scale automated consolidation solutions. The first is a default consolidator model. 
This means that certain deferred small pots in the automatic enrolment workplace would transfer automatically to a small pot consolidator. Members would be given an opportunity to opt out if they want to. The second is a pot follows member model. This would mean that when an employee moves jobs, their deferred pension pot in their former employer scheme would automatically move with them to their new employer scheme if it meets the chosen eligibility criteria for automatic consolidation. Individuals would have the opportunity to opt out and leave any or all deferred pots where they are. On the face of it, this move to tackle the deferred small pot problem is to be welcomed and applauded. However, this is not a new problem and one which legislation has previously sought to address. The Pensions Act 2014 provided for a pot follows member solution and some nine years later we are no further along. It is therefore to be hoped that this time the DWP means business. The consultation will end on the 27th of March 2023. The DWP has also launched a consultation seeking views on the value for money framework which will close on the 27th of March 2023. The consultation seeks to obtain industry feedback on policy proposals to disclose, assess and compare the value for money of workplace pension schemes. In October 2021, the pensions regulator introduced the framework to encourage a greater drive around ensuring that schemes with less than 100 million in assets were on top of charges and costs for members. Since the regulatory regime came into force, the DWP has expressed concern that the existing pensions market can make it difficult for defined contribution schemes to assess value for money that members receive and wants to address this by reporting of data around investment performance, costs and charges and the quality of services. The final consultation issued by the DWP is one seeking views on a policy framework for extending collective defined contribution schemes beyond single or connected employer schemes to accommodate multi-employer schemes. This would also include master trust schemes. Under a collective defined contribution scheme, an employer makes fixed contributions to the scheme. Members have a target income based, for example, on their average earnings, but this is not guaranteed. If the assets are not sufficient to meet this target, a lower level of benefit can be provided. Contributions paid by and in respect of members are all collected into a single pool of assets which is then invested. This allows investment risk to be shared between members and members to benefit from economies of scale. One of the key principles of collective defined contribution schemes is that neither the employer nor the member bears all the risk in respect of the pension scheme. The intention is that they provide greater certainty for members than defined contribution schemes but with less cost volatility for employers than defined benefit schemes. In August 2022, a legislative framework for collective defined contribution schemes came into force. This provides for single or connected employers to set up such a scheme. The DWP is now looking at how the collective defined contribution framework can be extended to allow more employers of all sizes to offer these schemes and to allow more flexibility in design. This is a result of increased interest in other forms of collective defined contribution scheme in the last 12 months. The consultation document in particular considers and seeks views on an amended structure for a whole life collective defined contribution scheme catering for multi-employer schemes and accumulation only arrangements. Recent commentary suggests there is increased interest in this area. If the framework is expanded to allow for unconnected multi-employer schemes, this may be an area of growth to watch. Thanks, Mayim. 
For our final topic, we will consider the case of Green and the Commissioner of Police of the Metropolis. This was a case on appeal from High Court in relation to the police pension scheme. In the High Court, it had been held that a provision in the Police Pensions Regulations 1987, which terminated a widow, widower and civil partner's survivor's pension if they remarried or began cohabiting with a new partner, was not incompatible with the right to marry, which is protected under the European Convention of Human Rights. This was appealed to the Court of Appeal on the basis that the High Court judge had erred in law in reaching this finding. The Court of Appeal found that the judge had not erred in law. It was held that the regulation in the Police Protection Regulations was not a measure which impaired or injured the essence or substance of the exercise of the right to marry. There was no basis for concluding that the High Court judge had applied an incorrect test or that his approach to the necessary evaluative judgment was flawed. Therefore, the appeal was dismissed. The provision allowing for a pension to be terminated if a survivor remarries or cohabits was therefore permissible. Thanks, Julia. That's all for this month's podcast. Further detail can be found in our February snapshot, which is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Stevenson Harvard Pensions Hub. 